it always has to start with the consumer and make sure you're asking the question of what do they want from me rather than saying, here's what I want to tell you. You know, it's interesting studying, you know, coming through university, they always told us you must have a call to action. And I feel like that has changed a lot. I, I think consumers are tired of seeing a call to action. They don't want to be told, go buy this, or they don't want to be overtly marketed to anymore. And I feel like with Gen X and then particularly millennials and now Gen Z, they've spent their whole life as a target market and being marketed to, and they're just a bit jaded. And they're like, you know, I can see through a lot of this. And if you're going to engage with me, I want you to put a little bit more thought into it. This is the CMO and Joe podcast. We interview today's most inspiring chief marketing officers and savvy marketers of lucrative direct-to-consumer e-commerce companies, bringing you insightful stories and tips on marketing, sales, branding, and much more. We bring you the best lessons from the best. Let's get started with your host, Joe Momo. And we are live. Welcome to the podcast, Sam. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. Good to be here. I'm excited to do it. Yeah, and I'm super excited to have you on the podcast. You're obviously a professional business executive, marketing executive. Um, you've been a global marketing uh, a leader and executive. Uh, you've worked in the liquor industry, and now you're working kind of in the cannabis industry as well. But uh, before we jump into all of that, how about you give us a little background of who Sam is? Sure. Well, um, yeah, I mean, you sort of summed up all the the career part of it other than than you know work and um doing marketing stuff i have three kids so um i think that gives me a different perspective you know as a marketer as a woman with with kids and um and i'm pretty avid outdoors person so i love hiking love love hiking and boats and sailing and uh anything to do with water pretty much (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, and beyond yeah. that, I, I really enjoy cooking, but, you know, I think that my love for cooking is definitely closely tied to my passion for the wine and spirits industry and now very much the cannabis industry. So well, that's it's awesome. been a fun Yeah, absolutely. It's funny that you mentioned, um, outdoors, uh, after we we're talking about kind of the fires going on, but, uh, um, you're located in the California, San Francisco area. Yes. Yeah, which is an awesome place for, obviously, for boating. Like, San Francisco Bay is epic for sailing and, you know, kiteboarding. And I don't do kiteboarding. I only do sailing. But um, it's it's great for all of that. And and then the hiking's wonderful here, as is mountain biking. So, Absolutely. Yeah. So kind of stepping back a little bit, um, I'm just curious, what, um, how did you kind of get into marketing? Uh, were you always kind of like a precocious kid into marketing and kind of storytelling or how did you kind of end up, end up there? Gosh, good question. Um, well, I, I would say I got into it because I was passionate about wine particularly. So I, in university decided to study the wine business program at Sonoma state. I think I was the very first year they ever even offered that as a degree. And so I did it And I went from there into a sales role um, with a fine and rare wine auction house. And I think working in sales, you know, and then from from that role, I ended up going to work for um, Moet Hennessy, which at the time had a joint venture with Diageo called Shefflin Somerset. Lots of names, I know, but 
uh, I was a part of the Shefflin Somerset team. It was a brilliant portfolio of products. So it was like Hennessy, um, Johnny Walker Scotch and the single malts and uh, Dom Perignon and Moet. So it was, my husband used to make fun of me. He's like, seriously, like you go out and sell these products, but everyone buys them anyway. In any case, I bring that up because as a salesperson, I got the understanding of marketing from that perspective, which was sometimes it was incredibly useful. And sometimes it really wasn't very useful to us. And we'd sort of think, what are the marketing team doing all this time? So it gave me drive to want to go into marketing and create tools that were more effective for our sales teams and to bring that sort of street level eye uh, for how to, how to be more effective, I guess. Absolutely. So what would you say is your favorite part of your current role right now? Oh, um, gosh, it's, it's a fun role. I'd say my favorite part, there are two of them. One is that the cannabis industry is so new. I mean, it's not right, but the, the really uh, bringing this sort of consumer packaged goods discipline to it is quite new and the industry evolves constantly. So I'm, I love that change in watching things get better and watching us sometimes stumble and have to learn and, and go a different direction. But that's exciting to me. And I love that. And then the other thing I love about my current role in cannabis is that you really have um, absolute freedom when it comes to innovation, right? I mean, cannabis now can be a beverage, it can be flour, it can be a pre-roll, it can be chocolate, it can be beauty products. So it's very freeing for me as a creative person to think of all the things that we can do with that, especially coming from an environment where whenever I designed a product, for the most part, it was in a bottle and maybe in a can if we were getting disruptive, you know? So it's, <laughs> it's nice to, to have that freedom to do things um, differently and work with different types of products. Absolutely. That's cool. Um, what would you say has been the transition like from kind of like the beverage and uh, liquor industry to the cannabis industry? What sort of things helped you make that transition? Hmm. Interesting question. So what helped me make the transition? I guess the, what helped me make the transition first and foremost is my team at Bang. So our CEO is a woman named Jamie Pearson. She's brilliant. She's also incredibly empathetic. So she really kind of took me by the hand and taught me a lot about this industry. And she's second generation in the industry. So she's seen it all the way from the black market side to where it is now. And she has, because she has a, a professional background, really adapted well to this new environment. And so that's what helped me with the transition, I'd say. And then what's been like interesting slash challenging has been um, all these resources that we have in wine and spirits that are not available yet in cannabis, right? Like very strong consumer data. It's coming. There are a couple of companies that are doing interesting things now, but that really wasn't there when I started. And that's a challenge as a marketer. You really want consumer insights desperately, right? And I think even the insights we get because we're seeing so many new consumers come in every month, every time a new state opens up for legal legality, like you're just getting this new consumer debt data and sets. And it's, 
it's a challenge not having those insights. And then it's also kind of nice because you can go with your gut a lot more than you would in the wine and spirits business. That's really interesting. Speaking of challenges though, um, obviously with the whole pandemic, uh, people are seeing tons of challenges the last uh, few months. Uh, but for you personally, Sam, what's kind of been the biggest challenges for you maybe personally or professionally uh, the last uh, four or five months? Good question. My, I guess personally, homeschooling is really, it's a challenge. And I just, my heart goes out to every parent out there doing it because, and to the kids, you know, because it's difficult. Professionally, supply has been an issue. Demand has been incredibly strong. In fact, our sales are as strong as they've been since I've been with the company and, and continue to increase. So that we feel really excited about, but keeping a constant supply has been a challenge, both from a packaging standpoint, from a ingredient and material standpoint. And then, you know, on top of the pandemic, we were lucky in California that we, we were deemed essential. Cannabis was deemed essential very early. But then right on the heels of that, we've now had these fires, which shut down uh, some of the facilities for us and rolling blackouts because of the heat waves. And on top of that, we had all the protests um, in California that were really, really um, strong protests. And we had some break-ins in our manufacturers' um, facilities. So it's been almost like every month there's a new supply challenge. And the good part is the demand continues to go up, but the supply challenge has definitely been like Okay, how do we how do we make sure that we can keep making enough chocolate? Absolutely, having that problem solving uh, ability is super important, I guess, in um, marketing, especially. Um, but for you, Sam, what would you say your unique superpower skill is that's helped you become successful? Well, okay. First of all, let me go back because I feel like this is an important thing for me to say in regards to the protests specifically in California that, that impacted our supply, our CEO has always been really clear that we stand with the protesters. So I just want to make sure I, I make that clear before we move on. Cause I, it certainly was a supply challenge, but it, we still support fully what, uh, what that, what those protests stand for. Then moving forward, you said, what's my superpower? My superpower. Uh, well, I'm a very much a big picture thinker. So, um, that I think makes me good at, at strategy. I think strategy is one of the things I'm best at when it comes to marketing is sort of being able to step back and say, okay, where are we going? And then what are the milestones we need to hit to get to that spot? And usually, I think especially in this busy world we all live in, it's so easy to just be run, 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 you know, and you never step back and go, wait a second, we're all so busy. Are we going the right direction? Are we you know, creating the right behaviors? Are we doing the right things to get us where we want to go? And that's one thing that I think I'm good at. I guess that's my superpower. <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah, strategy is super important when it comes to just business and marketing and um, yeah, just business in general. I'm just knowing where, to, where you're going and not sort of winging it like some people or some, um, I guess, processes are like, but uh, I just want to switch gears. I'm curious to know what your uh, unique perspective is on um, the industry. How has it changed from when you first started to, to now? Yeah, it's changed a lot in a couple of ways. So I'd say I came in 
when the industry, like everyone was going public in Canada, there were these huge multiples being applied to all these companies. And, um, you didn't even need to have revenue to have your stock price increase dramatically. It was, it was wild. Right. And right around the time of the vaping crisis, the, that whole house of cards came tumbling down, which was a good thing in a lot of ways. You know, it was hard. We definitely scraped by for a couple of months and really had to tighten our belts, but it was good because what it did is it made all of us stop and focus on the fundamentals. Like ultimately we need to be a profitable company. We need to be a company that has increasing revenues. We need to be a company that is solving problems for consumers and I think that for a lot of us in cannabis, it made us stop just releasing press releases with announcements about new deals or new opportunities or new markets and really say, okay, let's look at the markets we're in. Let's get it right and do things properly. And I know some good companies that didn't quite make it through all that. Um, I know some companies that weren't that good that didn't make it through all that. But I think that those of us who have weathered that storm have come out stronger and that will continue. And so, yeah, it's been a, quite a change. <laughs> yeah. Um, kind of going back to the piece uh, earlier, you mentioned you're very good at strategic thinking and just strategy in general. Uh, I'm curious, what, what is, what's kind of been your most successful marketing campaign? Um, and why do you think it made it so successful? Yeah, the... The easy answer is always um, the 19 Crimes Augmented Reality wine labels. So 19 Crimes, if you're not familiar with it, is an Australian wine. And it's based on the idea that there were 19 crimes that initially got you banished from the UK to Australia when Australia was a penal colony, right? And every bottle has a mugshot of one of the um, convicts that was banished to Australia. And it's a real mugshot and it's their real story uh, about what happened to them. So we had been working on the brand. The brand had been doing very, very well in the United States and in Canada. And uh, the thing that was interesting is we could not get the West Coast to bring in the wine. So if you think about the US, like Midwest drinks a decent amount of wine for sure. East Coast drinks a decent amount of wine, but a humongous amount of the wine consumed in the U.S. is in California. So we needed the California grocery stores to take a position on this wine. And we started thinking about what are different ways that we could intrigue them, be doing something different, um, something more interesting. And so there was that piece. And then there was this also this piece of we had done some positioning work on the brand and we realized what was really intriguing consumers was the truth of it, right? Not just the fact that it was in a black bottle, not just that it looked kind of cool, but it was the true stories behind these, these convicts were what was really exciting to the consumers that we were engaging with in the Midwest and a little bit on the East Coast. So what we said is let's find a way to let these prisoners tell their own story. And so uh, we started out calling it confessing bottles and they were supposed to confess. And eventually we worked with this really wonderful digital agency that helped us use augmented reality so that the bottles come to life and actually tell their stories. Have you seen that, the program at all? Um, it sounds familiar, but I don't think I've actually seen it myself. I, I'll have to check it out. So it was, it was pretty exciting when we built, so we had to build an app back then there was no, um, you know, you had to have an app to do augmented reality because this was 
2017, 18, around there. And so we built that up and our IT department was like, you guys, apps for brands are not going to work. Like maybe a thousand people are going to download this. It's never going to be a big deal. And we got over a million downloads within the first six months, which was astounding. No one, no one expected it to be that popular. And of course, with that, we got the grocery stores in California to take a position on the wine. And we got one of the big, big chains in the Midwest to take on additional flavors of the wine. So um, it was a wildly successful campaign. It ended up winning actually a super Reggie, which is the Reggies are, you know, marketing awards. And it won, it won a gold for that program. It won a silver for a diff- slightly different social campaign we were doing. And then overall it won what's called the super Reggie, which means like out of every single campaign going against Colgate, going against, you know, anything that was submitted from any category we won. And we were really proud of that. Wow. That's, that's amazing. Well, <laughs> yeah. um, yeah. you're, so you're in Toronto. Is that right? Uh, in Calgary. Oh, in Calgary. Okay. So you should go and find it. It's, it's in your grocery store or in your wine shops there, but find the bottle and look at it. It's really kind of a fun campaign to check out. Yes. You just you know, your phone app and it starts, the label starts talking to you. <laughs> no, absolutely. I'll uh, definitely have to link it to the podcast so the listeners could check it out as well. Um, but yeah, one thing that really stood out to me is that, um, storytelling and authenticity piece. Um, but for you personally, what's kind of the elements to a really great brand or even marketing campaign for you? Well, I mean, it's the obvious answer, right? But it has to start with the consumer first. And I think that it's so easy as a marketer to be excited about your brand and just want to tell people about it instead of really stopping to say, what do they want to hear from my brand? And I think that's part of what made that 19 Crimes successful was that we we took the time to do the positioning work to find out this is what consumers find interesting. You know, it wasn't the liquid. It wasn't all these other pieces that we've been doing in the marketing. It was this truth. So I guess my answer is that it always has to start with the consumer and make sure you're asking the question of what do they want from me rather than saying, here's what I want to tell you. You know, it's interesting studying, you know, coming through university, they always told us you must have a call to action on any, you know, consumer facing uh, visibility piece or whatever. And I feel like that has changed a lot. I, I think consumers are tired of seeing a call to action. They don't want to be told, go buy this, or they don't want to be overtly marketed to anymore. And so there's a really delicate balance between getting them to engage with your brand and then not overtly selling them on your brand. Right. It's trying to find that balance. Hey? <laughs> yeah. Well, I have a, a theory on that too, is that, you know, with Gen X and then the millennials, basically their entire lives, they've been a target market, right? Like with the boomers, marketing wasn't quite as sophisticated yet. And I feel like with Gen X and then particularly millennials and now Gen Z, they've spent their whole life as a target market and being marketed to, and they're just a bit jaded. And they're like, you know, I can see through a lot of this. And I, I, if you're going to engage with me, I want you to put a little bit more thought into it. And I, I like it. It's a challenge. Absolutely. For you personally, when you get target marketed or even, um, I guess, sold to what's, what sort of, 
um, brands have you really admired or even like um, kind of like drawn a kid to? Let's see. I, well, there's a, a very funny product that I really like and I like their marketing. It's called Four Sigmatic. It's like mushroom coffee, which sounds bizarre. I know, but it's delicious. And they do a brilliant job with their email marketing so that I feel like every time I get their, their emails, it's not just like, oh, we're having a sale, buy this. But it's giving me information that I want about health and how mushrooms can be good, healthy things for your body and other products that they're coming up with. And so they're one that I've, I've enjoyed their emails and I have tried to incorporate some of that, that sensibility in the way that we are doing our email marketing. So that would be one for sure. Uh, let's see. What's another one? Well, I don't know. There's so many that I like. I would say I, I like, I think Tinkeray has always done a really nice job. I love, love the way they redesigned their bottles. Like, I think they're really looking so brilliantly beautiful right now. <laughs> so I'm a big fan of And generally I would say Diageo does a nice job on almost everything they work on. Um, so those are a few that I, I like quite a bit. If I think of another one, I'll tell you too. <laughs> awesome. Sounds good, Sam. Um, obviously you're in, um, you see you're part of lots of marketing campaigns, but um, what sort of uh, exciting trends are you seeing on uh, social media or even just marketing in general? Yeah, the one that's most exciting to me is, is uh, also the one that's most intellectually challenging to me, which is this concept of creator marketing. So, you know, we've all been talking for the past few years about influencer marketing, which was really finding these people who had lots of followers and letting them take a selfie with your product, which always felt not particularly authentic and always felt not exciting to me. <laughs> Although we did it, you know, everyone did it uh, and still do. Uh, this idea now of this evolution from just influencer marketing to really engaging with someone and giving them your product and saying, do something creative with it. And it's been, when I say it's been intellectually challenging for me, part of that is because, you know, we all were taught forever, like, don't let anyone touch your logo. Here's your style guide. They you cannot work outside the bounds of this, you know, Bible of how you, my brand should be treated and to hand your brand over to, for instance, we work with, um, a group from Los Angeles called the soul assassins and it's DJ mugs from Cypress Hill and, um, Mr. Cartoon and a, a couple of other brilliant artists and musicians. And they've done a lot of super fascinating stuff with the brand, but it always made me like a little uncomfortable at first because I thought, Oh God, that logo is not my logo. And should I be allowing this? Are people going to think I'm crazy? But now as I've started to embrace it and I've seen the way that their audience actually engages with them as they're using our brand, it's clear to me that this is a really um, cool next step to what influencer marketing was and then moving it into a direction that's actually more, more cool to me. I mean, more. So I'd say that's something that I think is... is really kind of interesting. That's really awesome. Um, I'm always curious, uh, having professional marketers like yourself on, um, just this hypothetical question, 
of if you had say 50% more budget, um, what sort of things would you kind of invest that in to get your money back or see a high ROI at least? Wow. There's so many things I would want to do. <laughs> Where would I want to start? I really feel it's important to, when you innovate or release a new product, properly fund that. So I have about a list of probably 10 or 15 things that I want to release under the Bang brand, but I, I want to do them properly. So I think that I would say if I had 50% more budget, I'd be doing a, at least a few new products coming out and then really doing the right behaviors to make sure that they're successful. Um, and then the other thing is I, you know, there are a couple of companies now that are doing some interesting consumer, uh, insight work and we, it's, it's expensive. So it's been one of those things in cannabis. that's sort of like, okay, if we can get there, we'll, we'll get it. But it hasn't been the number one ask. And it's something that I would love to have more consumer data. So that's the boring part. The innovation is the more exciting part, but and the last thing I'd say in this, uh, COVID world, it probably won't happen for another year, but I, I love pop-up events, especially now working with these guys in the soul assassins. They're so, I say guys, I think there are some women in there too. These, this group, the soul assassins, they're such interesting people. And, and we've had these ideas of, we want to do a pop-up in, um, you know, some of the low rider motorcycle shops that they work with those guys. And I would love to be doing that because for me, experiential marketing is amazing. And I, it's something that I've always felt is really powerful, but obviously we're a bit hamstrung in this current environment to do it. So it's probably another year out. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. It seems like COVID has really um, obviously affected everybody, but um, especially for professionals um, working from home, I always, I always find it interesting having that work-life uh, balance uh, when you're working from home. Uh, but for you, Sam, has there been a huge difference for you or how are you kind of coping with the work from home uh, situation? Yeah, it hasn't been that different because we work remotely anyway at Bing. So our CEO is actually in Montana and uh, my team for the most part is in Southern Cal. So the working remote hasn't been a big challenge. What has been is I miss seeing people, you know, I miss going down and having in-person meetings and we're just starting that back up again. So actually DJ Muggs um, of Cypress Hill set up uh, a little room at his recording studio that's sort of the bang room. And we do, we're trying to do bi-weekly or at least once a month meetings there where we can actually sit down face to face because obviously it's just so much easier to, to brainstorm and to, to get things done, at least for me, when I'm really face-to-face -face with someone and not just on Zoom. So yeah. that's what I miss, most, I think. Yeah, sometimes you get that uh, Zoom fatigue and um, it's nice to see people's faces once in a while <laughs> in person. For sure. At least. Um, I only have a few more questions here for you, Sam. Um, I'm always curious, what's, what's one question that you never get asked that you wish you would be asked? Ooh. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> it's a trickier question. Maybe. I think that, um, do I get a, I, I guess I've never been dying to be asked anything. I think <laughs> <laughs> a good back and forth. That's awesome. Um, yeah. I mean, it's, it's a trickier question. I'm always curious. Sorry. Uh, 
what's uh, maybe what's something that you're proud of that maybe we haven't touched on in the interview? Well, this is a more personal than professional, but I'm very proud of um, being in a really happy marriage for, it will be 15 years, October 1st. (laughs) Yeah. And we both work and we have three kids and, you know, all of that can be challenging, but we have managed to get through it with a lot of humor between the two of us. And so I would say I'm very proud of that. And it makes me happy every day. Absolutely. I love that you use humor, um, especially because times could get rough and um, it's always good to have humor to kind of get through those times and um, that, res- that resiliency as well. But uh, no, that's, that's awesome. That's really yeah. awesome. Um, so yeah, where can I, let's just connect with you online, Sam, if you want to have more questions. Okay. Oh, where should they connect with me? Is that what you said? Yeah. Where, where can I connect with you online? Oh, on LinkedIn. I'm on LinkedIn. So um, yeah, Samantha Ford Collins on LinkedIn and um, I'm pretty active on there. I don't, you know, I get a lot of advertising too. Sometimes <laughs> I don't always respond to everything, but, um, but I'm relatively active on there and I check, check the emails a lot. So. Awesome. And I mean, obviously I really appreciate you being on the podcast. Uh, you have, you had great stories and great insight as well, but, um, I usually like to end the podcast with the guests saying, uh, a phrase or a word to describe their brands. So my last question to you, Sam is what's one word or phrase to describe Sam's brand. Oh, my brand. Yeah. Oh, wow. I should have prepared better for that one. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, life is for enjoying. I guess I'd say that. This episode of the CMO and Joe podcast has ended, but be sure to subscribe for more business strategies and tactics to help you create the profitable and successful business you've always dreamed of. And don't forget to rate and review so we can continue to bring you the best content. See you on the next episode.